Alright. Ja? Today's video is all about how to buy your first property. Oh, is that good? Yeah? Today's video is all about how to buy your first property. So if you're in that situation, you're keen to get into the property market, buy that first property, and you don't know where to start, you're not sure about all the things to consider, this is definitely the video for you. So let's jump in. Hi, my name is James Corsier and welcome to the Money Paradox podcast. Yes, that is right. We're gonna be talking about property once again because I love it, you guys love it and I enjoy talking about it. So before I jump in to the content on this video, guys, please do like it if you enjoy this video or my other videos. Subscribe if you wanna hear on my future videos. They come out each week. And share it, share it with those that you think would benefit from this content. And give me some comments, let me know what you think and whether you want specific topics covered in future videos. So let's jump in. Okay, so three key things you wanna be thinking about when you buy your first property. The factors to consider to decide what kind of property you wanna be buying. Two, the process from start to finish, so you really know upfront what to consider when you go down this path, because it is a long path. And um, when you've not done it before, there'll be a lot of stuff that come up and you won't be ready for it, you'll be surprised, and the more you can kind of pre-plan and, and know that before you get started, the less surprised you're gonna be as it goes down the track. And the more your decisions up front are gonna dictate really the reality of the situation. And then thirdly, the team, the team of people you need to have around you to make sure when you buy that property, it is a success. Okay, so let's jump in with the first one the factors. So before I go into that there, I think there's some key questions that I often get asked about buying your first property, things to think about. First one is, how do I do it cheaply? Because property is really expensive. There's a lot of money buying a property. For a lot of people, it's the biggest asset, the biggest thing that they own in terms of value. And so it can be scary. It can be just difficult to get the money together to financially be in a situation where you can buy that first property, right? So how do you do it in such a way where you, uh, you, you can make it happen? Secondly, you know, do you buy that first property as an investment? Do you do it to live in, right? That first property, you know, it's, it's never so clear cut, right? Especially when you buy a property, it's often for a very long time. Your situation now can change. Uh, in the future, in, in years to come, right? And a, a good decision now might not be a good decision next year. And then lastly, you know, should I make sure the property is good for investment purposes or should it just be, you know, buying a property that I like because that's where I'm gonna live, okay? So some of the questions that I'm gonna answer as part of this video. Okay, so let's jump into the factors. So these are the things you wanna be thinking of as part of deciding what that property would look like, right? And how you do it. And really those questions I asked, really part of deciding what these factors are is answering those questions, okay? And 
when buying a property, it depends on the person, right? So I don't want to give that really kind of cheesy answer where I kind of say it depends. It depends on your situation. You need to know what's going on for you. Uh, but it really is the case. There's some pretty standard stuff, but you really want to be thinking what's your situation? What's your situation right now? And how's that going to change over the next few years? And how does property come into that? So firstly, what are your priorities, right? So for me, when I bought my first pro property, it was really important that it was a strong investment choice because doing well financially was very important to me. It was one of my highest priorities. That's not the case for everybody, okay? And that's okay. You don't need to have that as a really high priority. I think it's a great priority to have, but you may have different priorities, right? So think about not just whether that's important to you, but where does it stack up in the list of priorities for you, right? For example, another key priority for you might be if you want to live in it yourself you know where would you want to live who would you want to live with how long do you want to live in that place before you move on all these kind of considerations so again I'll use my example I lived in London and I wanted to make sure that first property was somewhere I could live because I knew a lot of the fundamentals around buying a property means that that first property if you live in it it can be a lot more powerful than if you buy it as an investment. Now this is often a controversial topic because for example, Robert Kiyosaki in Rich Dad Poor Dad famously said, the house you live in is a liability and not an asset, okay? You should be renting. And yes, that's true to a certain extent. In fact, it can be. And there's some reasons why, but definitely not all properties that people live in are liabilities. Many are assets and mine definitely was at the time and the one I still live in is an asset. And I'll go into that in a little bit more detail. I'll, I'll cover that more in another video because I think it is a really, really powerful concept to think about. Whether you know what asset liability means, I'm just going to jump into that. So a liability is effectively something you own that has value, that effectively costs you money over time. Right? It's a drain on your financial resources over time. An asset is the opposite. You would hope by owning it, by owning this particular asset, this particular thing, that it should make you money. It should improve your financial situation over time. And often when people buy a house to live in, they buy a house focused more on what they like, right? So. They'll pick stuff that might not make sense from an investment point of view, but they like, okay? And that's fine, but you need to be aware of that and to what extent you're doing that. So people might buy a house that's a little bit bigger than, than what they would do if they were to rent. They often spend a lot of money when they bought the place, decking it out, making it look cool, making it look like what they like, spending a lot of money on furniture, maybe changing the kitchen, repainting all the walls. and. You kind of think, well, you just invest my in my home. I want to make it look nice and things, and you justify it. And again, that's okay. You know, ultimately, we have different priorities. But every time you spend a bit more money making the house look a bit nicer, in terms of the actual size of it, for example, or buying things to go in the property to make it look nicer, that all costs money. And so, the more money you're spending on it, right, the less money you can spend elsewhere. And when you when you're doing all that, that kind of hurts your financial situation. Now you might say, well, 
if I'm buying a more valuable property or I'm improving the value of my property that I live in, well, that's that's an asset. That's an improvement of my financial situation. Well, yes, maybe theoretically on paper, but if you can't really touch that money, it doesn't. It's not. It's not real. Okay. If each month you're spending more money than you were previously because you own this property, you're spending a lot of money improving it, refurbishing it, and the value of it's going up. Well, can you see that? How can that translate into improving your financial situation? Now, if you remortgaged it and you took money out of that property to spend elsewhere, then you could argue that's then an asset. But if the money just stays in the property, you can't touch it, you can't feel that money, then you could argue that's a liability, okay? So when you're thinking about when you want to buy that first property, you're going to think, is this an investment? Do, you want, do I want to improve my financial situation through this property? Or do I want to buy that first property because I want to live in a specific type of property in a particular place? I want to feel a certain way when I'm living there. That's cool, but they're two totally different priorities. And the great thing is you can have a bit of both or you can go from one extreme to the other. So I was very hard on investment, but also made sure the property was somewhere where I wanted to live. Now that's what I always advocate with my clients. It's Make sure it's an investment first and foremost, because buying that property is a lot of money. It's a big investment, okay? There's a lot of work around it, time to, to look into it and so on. And so if you're gonna do all that, and spend all that money, it, it makes sense to make sure that improves your financial situation, not worsening it, while still making sure that that property is somewhere that you wanna live and and you still enjoy living there. It may not be your perfect home, but it's still good, it's still fun, it's still nice, right? So that would be my main recommendation. But again, think what it is for you specifically, right? Now, just very quickly, the reasons why I would generally recommend for most people to buy their first property uh, that they live in is because some important factors. So first of all, when you buy your first property to live in, Usually, it varies, but generally speaking, you only need to put in a 10% deposit. But when you invest in a property as a buy-to-let, to let out to other people to make an income, usually the minimum is 25%. So two and a half times the amount of money is needed to put into the property as an investment, okay? So generally speaking, that property to buy it as an investment, you're gonna need a lot more money to do that. But the other side of it, the benefit to buying as a buy-to-let is that you can buy, in theory, anywhere in the country or anywhere in the UK. In fact, anywhere in the world if you really wanted to. Whereas if you're gonna buy a property that you wanna live in, it needs to be somewhere you wanna live, right? It needs to be relevant to where you're working and so on, right? So you need to factor those two things in. Another great benefit though of buying a property that you wanna live in from an investment point of view, some cool little quirks. One is that it's kind of simple. So you, you can have it as a quasi investment. So when I bought my first property, I did it in such a way where I made sure I had three bedrooms. I bought it with someone else and I'll come into why in a second. But because I had that third spare bedroom, I could rent that room out. And by doing that, that massively improved the cash flow on that property. 
when I bought that property, my cash flow was better than it was before I'd bought that property. So what I mean by that is my financial situation, how much money I was spending each month after buying that property was less than before. So if you think about it, because I was spending less after I bought the property, that property means it's actually, in effect, giving me money each month, okay? Because the money, the less money I spend, the more money I can save, invest, and improve my financial situation, or go spend elsewhere, right? And that, that is a very simple way of looking at whether your property is an asset. So whatever, you, whatever decision you land on around property, the best thing to do is to look at the numbers involved. Okay, think about, well, if I bought this particular property of value, what would I have to pay in mortgage? Or how much money would I get from rent? How much money would I save if I stopped buying, uh, stopped renting in the place I had before, right? Look at your cash flow, money going in, money going in, money going out, before buying and after. And the comparison is the impact on that property. And the key thing though when you do this is always make sure to think about all the different factors because sometimes what you'll do is you'll work it out and you think, oh, that's a great situation. You go to buy it and then the reality is very different. Often it costs more money. So for example, furnishings, most people forget about that. They buy the property, they move in, they're like, oh, I need to furnish this thing. I need to actually start going out and buying some stuff. Oh, actually, when I think about it, the rent's a bit more, the council tax is a bit more, actually it costs a lot more than I originally thought right so think about all those different elements really easy you can just search online and then from that get a bit of inspiration all right okay so they're the key factors so ideally if you really want from an investment point of view focus on that as a priority but buy a property that you can live in so do it in a way that you are willing to and it's still a lovely place that you want to live in but it still makes sense as an investment generally. Another reason why it's so powerful is that when you buy a property, it's usually for the long term. Okay, when you buy or sell a property, it's very expensive. Stamp duty is many thousands of pounds. You have solicitor fees, broker fees, mortgage fees, all of these fees. And if you were to buy a property and then two, three years later decide you wanted to sell it because you wanted to live somewhere else, that is a very costly process and a lot of the money that you may have made from owning that property could be wiped out. In fact, it could be a loss, it could be a net negative. So really, certainly when I buy property, I buy it for the long term. I buy it so that I never wanna sell it ever. In fact, I wanna just pass it on to my next generation. And if you kind of think about it like that, generally speaking, one, you're gonna make a lot more money from that property and two, you're gonna do it in a way that is a lot more stable and reliable in the long term. Okay, all right. Now a key challenge back I get is I would love to buy my own place as my first property, but I just simply cannot afford it. Now I live in London, so because of the affordability levels in London, this is a very, very common complaint. Other areas it's still an issue, but in London, very much so. Property prices in London are crazy. So. They're just like, how? How do I do this? It's impossible. I, I just can't even get on the ladder. Well, first thing I'll say is get resourceful. 
if you come from a perspective of I want to buy a property to live in and I live in and I live in London but I've got faith I just know I'll find a way then you will find a way it doesn't matter what your situation is and what you want as long as you want it enough you'll always find a way it might take you a little bit longer you might have to sacrifice some other things but you'll always be able to do it it's certainly my experience and that's what happened for me you know I came from a very poor background. I moved to London <laughs> probably quite a lot of years ago. But when I first moved here, I had nothing. I had no money in the bank. I had no ability to borrow or get money from my parents or anything like that. And I got a really great job. It was a graduate job, graduate scheme job. And it was a great opportunity to learn and train. But they definitely were paying me in training and not in income. It wasn't that great a salary. And so my ability to save money each month was pretty low. It was about £300 a month, which felt like a lot at the time for me. But when you're saving up for property in London, it's pretty, pretty difficult. So how did I do it? Well, you know, I just kept looking at it from different angles. I said, well, what do I need to do? How do I buy that first property? Well, in London, it's really expensive. But what, what's the limiting, what's the thing holding me back? What's the restriction here? Well, when you buy your first property, want to live it. There's kind of two main factors. One is you need money. You need a pot of money to be able to buy that first property. So you need the deposit and then you need the transaction fees to pay the broker, the solicitor, all of that stuff. So what did I do? Well, I worked out roughly how much I needed. What's the minimum amount of money I needed? Calculate that amount. I was like, right, I gotta get that amount of money. I'm starting here and I gotta get there, okay? All right. So at least now I've got a focus. I've got a number to work towards. Might take me six months, might take me three years, but at least I know where I need to get to. The second one is income. So when you buy a residential property, property to live in, you can get a mortgage. But a mortgage is restricted on your income. When you buy a property, an investment property, it's restricted based on the expected rent from that property. And that's because you're buying it to rent out. So uh, the lender is wanting to be risk averse. It wants to make sure that when you buy that property, it is confident you're gonna be able to pay that mortgage. But when you buy an investment property, you pay the mortgage from the income, the rent on that property. So as long as the rent's high enough, the lender's confident that you're gonna be able to pay the mortgage. But when you buy a living house or property, then how do you pay that mortgage? Well, you pay it from your income. So it wants to see that your income is high enough to be able to afford that mortgage. Now, each lender is different, but generally speaking, what they'll do is they'll look at your income, they'll multiply that by five, and that is the maximum amount they will loan to you. Now, some lenders is lower, higher, you can get creative, so we'll come on to that later. But key thing there is it's dependent on your income. Okay, so for me, I started on twenty nine thousand pounds. Right, this was many years ago. So five times that's roughly one hundred fifty thousand pounds. Okay, not very high. Well, to buy a property in London, the kind of property I wanted to buy was, you know, you're talking kind of minimum like. Four hundred thousand pounds, three fifty, four hundred thousand pounds. Nowhere near one hundred fifty thousand pounds. So how do I do it? 
Okay. Well, again, I knew I had to get resourceful. So I knew I had an amount of money to work towards my minimum deposit. I knew I needed to get my incomes up somehow. So what did I do? Well, if I lower the price of that property that I needed to buy, then I'd need less income. But if it's 350, 400 and I'm at 150,000, that's a big difference. So what did I do? Well, the easiest way to do that is I found somebody else. I, I found somebody else that wanted to buy a property, it was in a similar situation to me. So together we could combine our income. So I got his income and my income to combine that. And then we had enough income collectively to be able to buy a property in the kind of area we wanted, we wanted to live in. So we looked for cheap properties in cheap areas and then we combined our incomes. And then great, by doing that, we had just enough kind of income to be able to buy these kind of properties. But again, I was looking at areas where it was cheap, but again, it comes back to your priorities. It needed somewhere cheap, also where I was willing to live in, a kind of property I was willing to live in, right? It also needed to make sense from an investment point of view. Did I think that area was going to do well? Did I think it was going to go up in value in the next few years, right? I'm looking at it from all different angles and trying to make sure all these different priorities line up. And that can be the difficult bit, making sure all of the different things that are important to you all make sense in that particular decision you make. And that might feel really difficult to try and line up all those stars and there's an element of compromise and settling on some things, you know, the things that are lower priority. But that's what you do. You just keep looking at it, keep working on it, keep putting different levers, looking at all the different factors until you start to zone in on a particular situation that would work for you. And that's what I did. I found somebody, we looked into it, we started progressing. And then as we were moving through the process, I realized that first person I'd found didn't in reality want to do it as soon as I wanted to do in the areas I wanted to do. So respectfully said, this is not going to work. And then I looked for somebody else, kept looking, kept looking, kept looking, found that second person. And then great, I found that person and that allowed me to buy that second property, but knew that person wasn't as focused as me, wasn't as keen to make it happen. So I was like, that's okay. I need this person to make it happen. But at the same time, there's some things that are really important to me. He's not as focused on this, so that's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna take ownership here and I'm gonna start looking for places and find opportunities to make it work. So I started finding places, I checked in with the person, I was like, does that make sense? Do you like this place? Do you like this place? Do you like this area? And then we worked out actually the places I wanted to buy, he didn't want to buy. So we started to look for areas that are a little bit more expensive. And I said, that's fine, but I can't afford that. My half, I can't afford because of my restrictions. And so we were able to agree, look, we'll go there, cost a little bit more money. And then he was willing to make that slight increase. And he was willing to pay a little bit more than I was willing to able to pay. And he had some support from family and so on to do it. Now you might say, yo, it's easy for you, James. You know, you got a friend, you had somebody to, to help you and he had family that helped funded it slightly. Yes, that's true. But the reality is if I didn't find that person, he didn't have family to do it, I would have found something else. The reality is I would have kept looking, kept trying different ways, different mechanisms, different approaches until I found a way to buy that first property. And that is the key point here. If you're finding specifics about my journey that you don't have and using that as an excuse why you can't do it, then I think you're getting the wrong message from this, okay? The message here is 
I'm giving you an example of how I managed to do it, but really it's about just working out a way, being entrepreneurial, being, you know, clever, asking the right questions until you find a solution, okay? And that's what I did. We found a place, I borrowed a little bit of money from his side to be able to buy it, and then I put a plan over the next two years to pay off my share, so to keep it really simple, it was 50-50. By the end of those two years, it was 50-50, and it was nice and simple going forward. Now, that comes with consequences, you know, when you buy a place with somebody else, there's another person to think about, they've got their uh, their important factors and priorities, right? You, you're going to have to live with someone, is that something you want to do? They're going to have a certain view of what they want to do with the property versus you, right? So you want to make sure that not just now, but in the future, you're aligned, okay? You don't want to go into a big financial decision like this with someone else, lightly, okay? So, in summary, from my perspective, I think the best thing to do is make sure that first property is an investment property for the long term. It's somewhere you can live in because there's some really great benefits, like a much lower deposit that you can get. Um, there's a kind of a tax relief off you let rent out that other room because you're living in it. You don't pay tax on effectively the rent you don't pay if you live in if you if you rent somewhere else right that's after tax income you're paying if you live in your own place it's effectively money you're not paying that's taxed it's a very crude way of saying that there's a effectively it's kind of a tax-free drop in cash flow so if that doesn't make sense to you don't worry about it there's just some really powerful benefits around that okay all right but when you do make that decision again, make sure it works for the long term. So they're the factors, they're the things to think about, and I've given you an example in my own story. Second thing then to think about is the process, all right? So the first thing you wanna be looking at is what your limits are, okay? How much money do you have? How much income do you have? How many people need to move into this property? Do you wanna live it? Do you wanna rent it out? What are the limits? What are the restrictions, okay? And once you know your restrictions, then you can start looking at locations. So for example, for me, I lived in London. I wanted to live in it. I wanted to buy it with somebody else because that was the only way I could be able to buy a property in London. It was literally impossible on my own. So it needed to be at least two beds. And actually, I wanted desperately for that third bedroom because I knew as soon as I had that third bedroom, I could rent it out and the cash flow on that property would be way, way better. From an investment point of view, I'd be in a much more improved situation and my financial wealth would, would, would grow much more quickly. So I knew it needed to be cheap, I knew it needed to be a three bed, okay? So then where do I go? So I start looking at locations, I start looking at prices in different locations, thinking about locations where I'd be willing to live. Well, I wanted to live really nice and central in London because then it was close to all the different areas, I'd go out a lot, you know, I'm, I traveled a lot for work all over the country, abroad. So I wanted to make sure it was really good for travel, for commute, depending on anywhere I wanted to go. So I wanted to be as central as possible, but cheap. Well, if you look at the map at London, the cheapest place you can buy that's as central as possible is East London, okay? Maybe kind of Southeast, but really it's East London. So where did I look? I initially looked at Shadwell because that was really, really cheap. And then I moved a little bit closer because of the person I was buying and we landed on Whitechapel. Perfect. 
So that kind of made sense to me. So when I had some areas, Whitechapel, Shadwell, uh, kind of the areas around that, you know, parts of Wapping, Wapping's quite an expensive area, but areas around that, I knew we could kind of afford those areas. So when you've got that location landed, what you do is you start viewing places. You know what your limits are in terms of budget. You now know the kind of areas. When you start to view places, then you start to narrow down. You start to know what you can get for your money. Check in. Is that enough? Is that good enough properties for the area I want to live in? Does that make sense? Does that tie in with where I want to go with this? If it is, yes, you start moving away or towards certain types of properties, certain types of locations. And as you're doing that, you're kind of narrowing in, you're narrowing down into closer and closer to what you want. Another key thing is when you buy that first property, counterintuitive here, a lot of people think, oh, what I'll do is I'll buy a fixer-upper. I'll buy a property that needs a whole load of work because then I can get it really cheap get a good price, good price on it. And then over time I can I can make it better and add value, right? And if you are really good, like handyman and you can do it all yourself for next to no money, then cool, go for it. And that's your thing. But unless you're that type of person, I would strongly advise against it. And the main reason is that, okay, if you bought a property for say 200,000 pounds, right? and it was kind of a bit rubbish and you needed to do some a whole load of work to it let's say you needed to do twenty thousand pounds of work to it and then that would make it i don't know two hundred thirty thousand pounds in value so thirty thousand pound up if you get a nice uplift for that the thing is you've increased the value to 230 but you can't really access that that's not really change your cash flow situation but instead if you just bought a property for 230 230,000 already done, you can move in straight away. Well, the reality is the majority of that price you don't actually have to pay. You're only paying 10% of it as a 10% deposit. So really to go from a 200,000 pounds to 230,000 pound property is a 3,000 pounds different. Now that's still a lot of money, but 3,000 pounds compared to 20,000 pounds. 20,000 pounds of work you, you could be spending on it, right? So although you've actually technically made £10,000, the amount of money you're having to pay up front is a lot more. And if you're cash flow restricted, if you're money restricted, it's a lot easier to go with the second, okay? So the, if, you, if the work is already done to the property, you can effectively take a mortgage out on that value uplift, okay? And also you're not, not having to, be in a really difficult situation, having to do all this work to a property when it's your first one, you're new to it, can be a bit dangerous and you might not get it quite right. Okay, so something to think about, something I definitely advise against. All right, and as you land in, you look for that particular place, make sure when you buy it, two things. One, would I be willing to live there? A lot of people, when they move into a place, when they're looking to buy a place, they don't really take much of a look. They might go for one, max two viewings. It's a five, 10 minute look round. For somewhere you're gonna live in for many years and then own for many more years, that's kind of dangerous, okay? So if you are landing in on the place that you like, go check it multiple times, check it different times, go back, look at the area, hang out, just suss it out, 
think about what the temperature's like, what the shower's like, the water, the toilets, all the various things. Because the amount of times people move into a place, one week in they're like, oh, I didn't think about that. This place gets really hot. The water's pressure's really low. The plumbing's terrible. The whole the whole boiler needs redoing because it doesn't work properly. It's so, so common. Really look at the little things and you'll be surprised at actually what might be hiding. Okay, so they are the factors. Sorry, <laughs> moving into the process. So you've got clear on your limits, clear on the location. As you're moving through this process, just keep checking that the numbers make sense with your restrictions, okay? Can you make it work? And if you can't, what does, what needs to change to make it work? When you've landed on some places, you want to then start making those offers. But as part of that, you want to be developing relationships with some agents in that area. Because one, they are the kind of people that are going to be able to give you that, that information in the area. What's the, what's the kind of price you should be paying? What are the kind of things you need to be looking out for? What's the reason for this person selling? Ultimately, that agent wants to sell the property. That's how they make the money. So the more... You can develop a good relationship, good rapport with that person, the more information they're going to be able to give you, the more they're going to be willing to let work with you and give you more information than they would normally. And that information is very valuable, especially when you buy such an expensive asset like a property. But as you start to find places, you want to start to make offers. Okay. Now, I think the whole thing with offers is you want to be smart, you want to be making sure you get a good price, but I wouldn't overdo it. Don't go too extreme in either way. Don't get kind of totally obsessed with a particular property and say, I need it and I'll just pay whatever. Because in reality, there's probably a whole load of other properties out there that you'd be more than happy to buy. It's just, especially when you buy your first one, you know, you're very attached to it and you could get really stuck on something. And that's when you can overpay. Equally on the other end, you know, there's no point really obsessing about negotiating and trying to get the absolutely lowest price. If you're buying for the long term, maybe saving another £1,000 of property isn't really going to make much of a difference. It sounds like a lot of money, £1,000. But if you're buying it for £1,000 cheaper, but you own it for, say, 10, 20 years, how your whole life, and really you're not going to see that money until ever, until maybe you remortgage in many years to come, Really, it's not that big a deal, okay? And the most important thing is to make sure that you're buying a place that you actually want and you get a good price. That's it. Don't overthink it, but just be, be sensible with the kind of prices you go through and don't get too fixed on one. But if you do find one that you do like, don't be paralyzed by, by inertia, being worried about whether it's the right one. Do the analysis, work out what it is that you still need to work out to make sure you are clear and then go for it or don't. Don't sit on the fence because certainly it uh, depends on different times. But if, you know, in, in certain times, certainly in London, pro properties come and go very quickly. Okay. So then once you go into the, once you get a price accepted, you, you get an offer accepted, sorry, you then want to go into the process of actually buying it. And that all comes down to then the team of people you have around you. So that's the third area.
But before we go on, if you like this video, please do tick the like button, subscribe to find out the new videos, comment, let me know what you think. Let me know what other future videos you want on this area or elsewhere. Anyone else that you know that would benefit from this video, please do share it and get this video out there. All right, third and final area is the team around you. Really, really important. The so key ones are your broker. Brokers come in many shapes and sizes, but it is so important to get a good one because so many brokers tell incorrect information. And the main reason is either that they just don't know or it doesn't relate to what they specialize in. So you wanna make sure that the broker you're working with understands one, the market pretty well, but also your particular situation. They specialize in what you do, okay? The other thing is a lot of people try to buy to get a broker for free. And that's okay if it's a really, if you're a really simple situation, there's nothing complicated. But there's many brokers out there, most of the good ones will charge you. It's another 500 pounds and it might feel like a lot of money on something that's already really expensive. But if you get a really good broker, then that person will be extremely valuable because they will be able to tell you what's that best mortgage to get. In fact, they might be the difference of you being able to get a mortgage or not, especially when it's your first time. You might have a very good credit history. Uh, your income might be stretched. You might only just have enough money. And the difference between being able to get a four times and a five times multiple on your income could literally make the difference of you being able to buy a property or not. Okay, so really find a great broker and then stick with them. Second one is a solicitor. Again, you really want a good solicitor because one, you want to make sure that person is finding, uh, is, is being able to due diligence and look at all of the various things you want to be thinking about when buying a property. Because if you do it incorrectly and you there's something really fundamental about that property that you aren't aware of and you buy it still, that could cause huge financial implications to you. For example, there might be an issue with the lease or your ground rent might be going up in a huge amount of time in the future. Something might be discovered that might mean that you can't get a mortgage or it's very difficult to sell in the future. Or there might have been an extension to the property that hadn't been allowed and the council might tell you to change it. All of these things I've had. So I have been through all these experiences, some of which came up as legals and I knew some didn't. And it all comes down to how good your lawyer is and how much you're aware and, and looking at all the details. Do so you really want to make sure you've got a good lawyer, but also a lawyer that's on the ball? Many lawyers take ages, they're very slow, they do everything by handwritten letters. Might be a slight exaggeration, but they can be hard work. So you want one that's responsive. So when you are looking for that solicitor, you want to be checking all of that information. You know, are they uh, you want to be asking them directly, you know, are you practice? Do, do you get back to me quickly? Can I phone you? That kind of thing. And then obviously you want to be checking price, making sure they're charging a reasonable amount of money. But it's always worth paying a little bit more and making sure you get a good solicitor and broker. All right. Other areas is you want a good agent. Okay. So a part of doing that is just developing a good relationship with them generally, but also on the one obviously you're agreeing on. Because as you move through the purchase of that property, you're going to have to liaise with that agent. 
And the more you can reach out to them to help move things along when issues play out, that person can be really helpful because that is your conduit to the seller. And then lastly, you want to be using your resources generally online and your friends. So online, you want to be using tools like Rightmove, Zoopla, other resources online to be able to make sure you're paying the right price, that you're aware of all the different factors. There's so much out there. The more you can research and understand what you're doing online, the better prepared and better, more confident you can be. Also, people around you that you know have bought properties, buying properties at the moment, the more you can stay within those circles and talk about this kind of stuff, they will be super useful, especially when issues pop up. You know, you've got an issue, you're not sure what to do. If you know people that bought properties, then they will be really useful people to work through these issues to help solve them. So in summary, three key things you want to be thinking about as part of buying your first house. One, what are the factors? What are the things that will help determine what kind of property you want to be buying? Secondly, what is the process from start to finish? So you know what you're in for right at the beginning and that will help frame what you decide now and how you run through it. Thirdly, what are your team of people around you that are going to help support you and make sure that first property is a success. Hope you enjoyed this video. If you have, please do like it, subscribe for the future videos, share it to those that you know that are also looking to buy that first property. Comment, let me know whether you enjoy this video and whether there's any other future videos you want me to cover off in future. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you for next time. Bye-bye. Amazing. Oh God, that was a long